Do you know what your partner's up to when you're away and they're all alone? No, what? They're listening to the Screw Podcast, of course. What's that? Mm, sit back, relax, and listen. You're all gasmatics. You're all gasmatics. Sneaking in the back door with dirty might seem. So your mother wants to know what all the stains on your jeans. And you're all gasmatics. Thanks for tuning in to the Screw Podcast with Felicia Rose and A Love. No trusty, no rusty, just my sidekick A Love. How are you doing, A Love? <laughs> just your sidekick. I, I feel good. I feel good. I feel real good. I'm very. You're excited. more than just that, for the record. I didn't want to. I'm sorry to deduce you into just being yeah. my sidekick. I'm but more than a for rusty all intents trombone. and purposes. Wait, today rust, you are my sidekick. Rusty trombone or rambone? So <laughs> yeah, ran, I don't fucking know. We are a hot mess half of the goddamn time. So rusty bone. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to episode three of our HIV discourse, where we are discussing HIV positivity, being undetectable, and what it's like to date in the world with HIV. We have a lovely guest today, Stephen. I'm so happy you are here with us, and I just want you to take it away right now. Stephen, could you let us know where you're from, your age, and when it was that you tested positive for HIV? Um, hi, my name is Stephen. I am from... Jackson Heights, Queens, New York City, and I'm 45. I zero converted. Well, I tested positive back in 20, uh, 25, I want to say 2015 of January. But that's also a long story as to how that'll happen too, because a lot of things have changed over the years as a uh, technology has gotten better. So as the testing, and I think that back when I got when I was zero converted because I have a good uh, good immune system. I never tri- I never actually showed up positive because at one time we were using rapid tests that was only showing the uh, viral load mm. and not showing the actual antibodies. I so see. you think you were actually positive <laughs> before? I was actually testing. positive for a probably for, for approximately. 15 months prior to testing positive. Oh, wow. That's, and that's another thing that we didn't even touch upon is that there are people that are positive that aren't testing positive. So that's an interesting aspect and layer to this. Thank you for that. So I think what we wanted to get right into right from the top is that, you know, we're a sex positive Mm -hmm. podcast, sex podcast in general. And my first question, (laughs) (laughs) my first question is how has, now I believe you have, how long have you been undetectable for, for people that are listening undetectable? I've been undetectable. I've been undetectable since the, after three months of taking, been on my protocol and I've been undetectable. So for quite a while now. For a really long time. Yeah. So how has being HIV positive, undetectable affected your dating life, your sex life, and your social life in general? Um, I got to say it's, it did change it a lot. And also it's, it's, very, it's very much of a psychological thing as well. Uh, when you seroconvert, it, it, it does a lot of things to you. Um, it um, questions a lot of, it opens a lot of questions for you. and you know, you go through, you know, go through crisis. I myself have had in the past, I've had boyfriends who were uh, HIV positive and, and under, you know, and I didn't care about that, you know, when I dated them and we always had protected sex. It was never an issue, but I noticed when it, when it came to me that I did get treated differently when it came down to it. You mean on the dating um, scene, so to speak? Oh yeah, absolutely. On a dating scene. Yeah. You have to really understand that people are still living in that mindset from the 1980s. <laughs> I this is like I said, I listened to you the pod, the other two podcasts, and you were talking about why um, certain uh, certain demographics are uh, are less likely to take prep, mm-hmm. and it's because they're lower income in communities, and also in those lower income communities, they have less access access to education. 
and they are more susceptible to being spooked and to being scared to death. So, uh, and that's that carries still to, to this day. So can I, mean, I can I ask you? One of the people we had read like a a kind of testimonial from said that you know, uh, they had a like rough patch right after they found out their diagnosis, where you know they kind of escalated their their drug and alcohol use or went into a depression. You know, if 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 you're you're comfortable, did you experience anything like that? Well, I went through depression. I already suffer from depression. I'm you know I'm also like neurodiverse. So I'm ADHD, which also something that I ended up getting diagnosed with, you know, after being diagnosed with HIV. So um, a lot of things end up coming to perspective for me for that. But yeah, I did experience depression and um, the experience in where I did seroconvert was something that I basically like had put out of my mind up until I had to relive it. And so for those first few months, I did literally live that part over and over again. And not because, um, not because I actually had like uh, easily accessed memory. No, what happened to me was I was actually roofied and was violated. And um, honestly, I, you know, after it happened, I knew something happened to me, but um, I kind of basically just put it off the stuff, you know, like I got tested and everything came out. I was, you know, I came out negative and I kept on coming out negative. So I just like put it off to the side and just didn't, didn't address the, the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which was that I was a victim of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And um, as are many people, you know, and that, that a lot of men don't have um, you know, rather not actually deal with that situation. And that was something that I tasked myself with dealing with, you know, how do I approach this situation and how do I go on from this point on? And thank you for, thank you for your honesty. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. I can't imagine dealing with both, you know, the, the, like you said, psychologically, it does have a toll on you as far as testing positive and also having tested positive from, sexual assault like I just I can't imagine dealing with all of that at once you know and for the people listening can you explain um you said spoofing earlier for people that don't know what that means could you explain that for us I mean it's basically like fear tactics that people use on other people um you know like you raise into in a certain environment and also like I said those certain those certain demographics are also come from um not only are they lower income, but lower income are also more susceptible to being more conservative and also more highly religious. And so they also have issues with coming out. And uh, so there's like a, a plethora of, of different issues that become intersectional for them. <laughs> Not to inappropriately switch gears. Like, how long did Go it ahead. take until you were horny again after uh, your diagnosis? I was actually dating somebody at that time when I seroconverted, and they actually tested positive at the same time, even though they do a genotyping when you get positive, and our genotypes were completely different. So we got infected by two, two different people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we kind of went on that journey together in the beginning. So that was not so hard, but also too, it was my first, my first foray into an open relationship. And um, I gotta say, it was very, it's quite interesting uh, that the whole scenario and like I started to, I'd say within a little while, I started to feel better about myself. I started to feel more, um, more sexual and I started I did start engaging people now are you or have you been on any of the dating apps and if so I I don't even like calling them dating apps let's call them fucking apps let's be honest (laughs) (laughs) if so do you list yourself right hookup apps exactly (laughs) do you list yourself as positive right on your profile if so what's your experience been with that and also just your experience in general with apps and how you're treated is that something that has changed over time 
I noticed that too many people get a lot of negative feedback from people who don't, who we're probably not even going to, would never, or going to interact with in the first place. Mm. People literally go and troll. So just to avoid that, I don't put my status on there simply because too, I also have been through the fact of talking about my, talking about my status with somebody else and then them using the gay rumor. And the gay rumor is, you know, using hyperbole, making it crazy, and telling people that have no business knowing about your status, about your status, or embellishing on it and lying about it. So it becomes a horror story sometimes. And it has happened to me where, you know, I had somebody tell somebody and I have all these people coming back to me, texting me these questions. And I'm like, how do you, who told you, how do you know? Because if I didn't tell you, then you should know. It takes right? a lot of audacity for somebody who like you didn't personally disclose to, to come and start like asking questions about something so personal, you know, like that's, I mean, I, I know it happens. I'm not trying to play naive here. I'm just like, I'm always surprised because it's not something I would imagine having the audacity to do. And like, you know, how do you even start that conversation? You know, like, people feel entitled. People always feel entitled to, to more information, you know, oh, you have this thing that I don't have, whatever the fuck it might be. Now answer questions for me. Start. Let's go. And it's just this, it's a disgusting entitlement. I truly fucking can't stand that. So, so when yeah, you so- do, do you decide like when you're with somebody and you, you know, are, are starting to have a conversation, what is that process like for you? It depends on where it goes. And sometimes they ask, Hey, you know, I'm th- and then I'll tell, I tell them I'm undetectable and healthy. I don't, you know, like you, you know, um, do you find a lot of people know what that means when you say undetectable or are people, some people, uh, most of the time people know what that is. Some people say, some people will, some people will block me. <laughs> some people have no problem with it. Um, some people will, you know, very few don't know about it. And then I'll ask, and then having to explain it, what undetectable actually means, So you know? So, so, so how do you feel when they, um, block you like i mean i imagine now it's like whatever but like in the beginning when that would happen what would that make you think oh i just think how much of a how much of a fucking asshole they are <laughs> nice <laughs> i mean you're gonna be a real fucking douchebag to be to act like that with somebody else absolutely um you can stop, all you have to do is tell somebody is hey hey you know what i'm, this, I, I'm uncomfortable with this and you move on from there um i think with the um with the online apps it gives people this level of um of uh, entitlement but also not just entitlement but like um anonymity yeah anonymity so they, no one can see nasty. you right. so like they can you can get away with so much more because you're not there in person and nobody's there to to you know to to actually interact with you personally you can just block them and it's easy to to just do that you know there's a lot of dehumanization in in within using those apps you know so let me ask you and, this in this day and age is there an acceptable way you know with all the resources and all the information out there is there an acceptable way or feeling you know approach to telling somebody that you're not interested in being sexual with them or dating them because of their status? Like, is there a way that you, like, you know, you've noticed that anybody's done that is like, okay, well, you know, it's it's not wonderful, but, like, you don't feel, like, offended or feel like, what the fuck? Considering today's, the way things are today, I really think that it's, um... That's just I don't think it's acceptable anymore. I don't think it's acceptable anymore. I don't think because before because you have the fact that people are undetectable, and that also in that means I'm undetectable. That means I'm that I can't I can't give you HIV. It's untransmissible, untransmit, untransmittable, whichever way you want to call it. Yeah. And it, I mean, you have to be not taking your meds in order to give somebody HIV. 
In this day and age, I would be more scared if you had a cold than you had HIV because that shit right? is yeah. sick for fucking weeks and I can't prevent Unless, it. I feel like when it comes to. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go on. No, no, no. Even when it okay. comes to bareback sex, when you're talking about like having bareback sex, uh, so many people are, are into it and want to do it. I actually am super offended by guys who are on prep who turn me away because I am positive and undetectable. But most of them, you know, like that's like a small niche group of them um, who are also, again, they have, they're stuck with fear that they have been conditioned to have their entire existence. They have lived, they've been, they've been fear mongered into like being scared of HIV that even somebody who can't give it to them, they won't give that other person the chance to get to know them at all. Yeah, and, it seems um, kind of weird to be on like what is the point of being on prep if you're still going to turn turn down people who are undetectable or even positive in general? I, I don't understand. It doesn't make much sense and that's I feel like that's completely fear-based and unrealistic, uneducated if anything. It just doesn't make much sense. So, can I ask, I've been, have you found that like have you found more people down for like barebacking since like prep has become more like you know yeah i have but also too i think there is a good number of people who say that they're on prep that are actually positive okay Um, so fair dynamic i've i've actually seen that in profiles on some of these apps before people that i've known to be positive and i'm pretty good at like being able to pick that up like just visually looking at somebody's profile and saying um (laughs) Yeah, they haven't been tested in how long. Like, if you're going to keep the stats up there, and yeah. you're gonna say, "Hey, I'm undetectable," well, your your last tested date should be within three months of of now. So that's a good mm-hmm. question for people that don't know. When you're positive, how often is the testing schedule usually? Three to six months, depending on your status and how long you've been positive. Okay. I was gonna say the only answer that sounds like it, it's somewhat reasonable as far as like I'm no longer interested would be like I don't know you and I don't actually know if I can trust that you're undetectable but if you provide paperwork then I truly feel like there's no you know what I mean like there's really no way to defend that kind of line of thinking but even when you do it doesn't really matter it's just an out for them right of course for me the the most acceptable way like like we live in a society today that we deal with so many different pressures right. and it's just better instead of degrading other people, instead of putting other people down, instead of telling people, Hey, you're not my type. I'm not into you. We're not, you know, it's just easier to tell somebody, Hey, I'm just going to pass. I'm sorry. You know, have a great day. Absolutely. It's easier to, that is the most like least, least, invasive least uh a combative way to actually tell somebody i'm uninterested and you're certainly certainly comfortable if someone asks you to wear condoms right like an extra barrier you know like in this because i mean to felicia's point no but but in all fairness we don't know and sure every sexual you know situation is like a level of risk to it but you know in the sense that you know hookup sex you know you don't necessarily know like what this person's like actual adherence to their yeah, not just is, HIV or, related well, at that point sure, either. Sure. You know, not just you could give the right. person fucking herpes, but, you know, whatever. The uh, fuck. Yes, but also <laughs> too, let let you, well, we can talk about those STDs and like to be honest with you, all almost all of the STDs that you can get from sex, you can get from oral sex. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sure. if you're not gonna, if you're actually gonna have oral sex unprotected with somebody then you know yeah it, it comes down really, to lack of education and or picking yeah. and choosing what you decide syphilis, to be comfortable with syphilis gonorrhea chlamydia those are all curable mm-hmm. h um hepatitis c is also curable hpv is a huge vaccination and has a big movement to get everybody vaccinated from the time they're like 11 or 12 years old you know, and, this, and hepatitis this a, a and hepatitis B. I mean, I think most colleges now and a lot of like work yeah. job and environments require those vaccinations to these days. Meningitis is another one that you are required to 
when you go to school, oh, you have they to were get having that breakout with like queer men in New York City for a while with meningitis. Yeah. Is that still a thing? Probably is somewhere. No, but the monkeypox is gone, so I haven't heard anything about uh, monkeypox. Yeah, I got my monkeypox series. So let me let let me ask you: Do you do you on the opposite end of the spectrum? Do you have people? Have you ever had anyone who, when they find out your status, gotten all like excited, bug chasery on you about like? No, but fucking for real. Like, it's a thing, and you know it is. <laughs> yes, well, you don't you know have what? it in your profile, so I feel like the bug chasers aren't chasing you, right? Yeah, you no, put it maybe in your profile not being the chased, bug yeah. but, like, the surprising person maybe that you've decided to hook up with is like, <laughs> oh, my God, give me that I can just tell you that I've, like, encountered, like, there, I, you call them bug chasers, but there are bug chasers, and those are guys who want to get infected. Sure. That's a bug chaser. Then there are guys who prefer to have sex with um, under, uh, HIV positive men because they're on prep, so they know that they're safe. Why do Why do you think they have it. a preference in that category? Is it because they think you're kinky or bitches? I don't know what it is. I think it's because <laughs> the, I, I think it's because they already know when you're undetectable, they're not going to get HIV. But if they have sex with somebody who isn't who do, who doesn't who isn't on Put it this way: If you're not on, you're not HIV undetectable, or you're not on prep, you're much more likely to be HIV positive and much more likely to be past to be infecting people. That's a valid. So it's it's it, it's 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 just. Also, the other thing is that people who are HIV positive and undetectable, and people who are on prep, have a tendency to take better care of themselves health wise. Mm-hmm. So you get tested constantly. You take your meds, you get, mm. you, you know, you get treated right away. And, you know, most people, I would say in that group, I would say probably like 80% of them aren't going to shame you if you get like uh, an STD, like uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis, because, you know, it's going to happen eventually. So it's kind of like an, we're all responsible adults here we prove that we can take our medicine on time like we're you know in a way it's almost like <laughs> i don't know i i don't want to say this but in a way it's almost like yeah we're adults check you know what i mean like sure. we can hang with with whatever the fuck is on the horizon kind of thing but it's like i remember when i was younger and i was in my 20s and i remember i remember getting gonorrhea in my throat <laughs> You got it right now? Oh, <laughs> As you cough. Let me tell you, a very uncomfortable and very uncomfortable situation. So when you think about that, you know, it's not so bad. Today, they've made it so much easier. And now we have PEP for STDs, too. Yes. Now we have PEP, uh, PrEP for STDs. Now you can take uh, doxycycline. To like I think it's like a one dose like cyclum before you're gonna have unprotected sex. Yeah, so my my, my pharmacy heart, at least in terms of antibiotic usage, cringes a little bit about that considering I do too. We already Don't have, worry. I do too. We have huge Yeah, that's like taking the morning after pill even if the person didn't shoot their load in you. Know, it's e- almost like a little too but even that I'm even that I'm okay with. Antibiotics like have a like track record of resistance in our in our population and we are starting to run very <clears> low on uh MRSA effective antibiotics and things like that. So but you know, I guess I guess it's better than getting gonorrhea. Although I mean, like, there's <laughs> a pharmacy daddy coming to tell us bad boys and girls. Like, gonorrhea, chlamydia have nothing on syphilis. I'm gonna tell you right now. Yeah. Nothing on syphilis. Although I will say I, this: the syphilis, as much as like it sucks, like just having somebody shoot a shot in your ass a couple of once or two or three times, depending upon if it's your first transmission or not, like is, it's a little bit easier than taking seven days worth of like pills and shit. Right. Like I never take seven days of pills. You go, I tell the doctor, give me the shot right now. I don't give a fuck. I don't play with that. That's just, that's not, that's not up for debate. You just want a shot in the ass. I hear it. I'd rather get my shot in the ass, give me the three pills, and I'll walk out the door and have a good day. There you go. Stephen prefers back shots. (laughs) (laughs) And there you can segue to, we're talking about, you, you guys are talking about 
um, Apertude and you were talking about Cabin Nuda. Yes. And why people aren't taking it. And let me tell you why. Because it's an ass shot with a 22 gauge needle so, that's two inches long. And it, the so, liquid, the, so, the actual medication doesn't feel good. So here's my issue with that as well. So, two things. Obviously, nobody's picking up the coverage of it yet, too. So that becomes like an insurance issue. But second, the Cabinuda, but the Cabinuda, they are. Well, yeah. They are of taking Cabinuda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because that they have to. That's a protected <clears throat> drug class. But as far as like preventative and prep and like whatever, you have to go through. And it looks like we might be losing that unless Biden gets his shit together and fucking appeals. But because um, like uh, that, that's actually I meant to say, like huge court case since we've been having this thing. A Texas judge has like uh, ruled that uh, companies cannot cover things like prep for religious reasons. Um, unfortunately, the Affordable Care Act has a huge mandate in it for preventative preventative meds being covered, which is how PrEP ended up being, you know, mandated to be covered all throughout these health plans and stuff. So, um, but I digress. Um, my big issue with this is another reason for uptake: going to a doctor's visit for an IM shot. This shot, in theory, IMs are like almost the easiest kind of injection that you can give um, in that you just need a big muscle and you can inject, right? So my thing, if you really want uptake, if you're really serious about this, is like, let it be self-injectable. Let people be responsible to do it. And you actually might end up with better coverage. I agree with you. And um, as you know, I'm on testosterone replacement therapy, which is also something that happens to a lot of gay men who are HIV positive. Uh, we are uh, higher risk of having, you know, testosterone deficiency, mm-hmm. and it's basically because test- HIV attacks other systems when it can't attack your immune system, and also too the HIV drugs that they give you also cause you to have high cholesterol mm-hmm. and uh, high triglycerides. And what do they try to do is they try to give you, um, what's the class of, what's the class of drugs that, um, they, statins, right? And uh, statins actually, have, yeah, statins. statins actually have a negative effect on hippocampus. Right. And so, um, uh, in my, in my case, um, I have tertiary hypogonadism and that means that my, hippo, my hippocampus isn't giving the signals to my pituitary. So that my testes may to make so I can test the testes to make it stop. My testes make it no problem. It's just not getting the signal from the from the hippocampus to the to the pituitary. So I have to take every week. I give myself an injection intramuscularly for testosterone. So you know, I've become creative with it, and I have a little map on my refrigerator, and I just move the magnet to say which one I did last week. Nice. So it's right shoulder, left shoulder, right right thigh, left thigh. And if you're going to have medicine like this, it's intramuscular, um, we should be able to administer ourselves. And I have to go to the doctor's office in order to get it, to do it. Absolutely. And because it's done in, because you're doing it in gluteal, there's a big chance of you, um, you know, even if somebody is a good at doing it, a doctor or a nurse that's administering it, they could still hit a blood. They still have clapillary. You can end up bleeding for a while yeah. because of it. And it, it becomes a mess. And honestly, I'd rather just be able to do it myself, you know, and inject like in my shoulder or in my thigh. It's not a big deal, but well, and, also and it's every, the viscosity. And then every month or every two month, and, you know, obviously Gilead and the, <clears throat> the Satanists that they are, are, no, that insults Satan. Let me think of something else for Gilead. But um, they literally, not the, they're working not on the handmaid's tail, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they're working on a six month injectable, which, you know, again, is fine, you know, and it, obviously if you have to go into the office, it's better to only have to go in every six months. Get, you know, maybe get your updated HIV test, get your injection. Like there, there's a sequencing to it. Like, but every two months, pain in the ass. Let let me like ask you this. Literally. So, quite literally. <laughs> quite literally. Quite literally. It, it, and it's the viscosity of it because the reason why you have to get it in the ass is because this medication's viscosity is it's got a high viscosity to it. Mm-hmm. So it's very much just like like penis putting penis, you know, getting a bicell injection. It's very 
take and best and discuss. So doing it on your own, it's kind of hard to do in your shoulder. Sorry. You can only do up to a mil, like I think um, one milliliter in your shoulder. Mm-hmm. You can do two milliliters in the thigh, Oof. but this is a much larger dose. So too thick for the ass shot. <laughs> too, Got it. Too thick for yeah. the ass. Shot. So do you feel, um, in your experience, um, you know that there's any attitude change in terms of like people being less nervous about seroconverting and therefore like engaging in a, you know, a little bit more riskier behavior because they say, Oh, well, there's injectable HIV medicines and people are living longer or, you know, do you feel that people are having an easier time with this? I mean, given that, you know, we do know that the medications do cause side effects and there is like, you know, you do have to stay healthy and you have to you know keep, keep your shit moving. Otherwise, you know, you might find yourself not having zero viral load, right? So, like, you know, what do you what do you feel about the way people think about that diagnosis these days? I think less people are having a problem with it. One, I think it's a lot of the younger generation. So, I would want to say like the younger millennials and the generation Z, the iGen, you know, they're they're much more at ease with it. They are less likely to be judgmental about it. Um, but again, like I said, certain demographics, especially I would say, um, let's say lower income neighborhoods, like, you know, right around from Jamaica. So we're saying like black and um, South Asian, West Indy. Also remember these also are also co- communities that are very conservative, very religious. They have a big, they have, they have big issues with, with, with it still. To this day, I mean, I sure. have, you know, I went through a story with the guy. Um, he wanted to have rough sex with me, and I told him, "Hey, I'm, I'm undetectable." He says, "Well, I'm not having sex with you, dude. You're literally setting yourself up to get infected." I was like, "You want to have unprotected sex with people? You should be on prep. Prep is the way to be way to go." So what was like, his, that is the best thing. And the most healthiest person for you to have sex with. Someone who's on prep and some, or someone who's undetectable. Your your guaranteed safety is there. Right. They know their status. They have to get tested every however many months. They are on medicine that will make sure. Like you're absolutely right. I feel like I mean, you know, there's exceptions to every rule, of course, but I feel like the more you know about your own status and the more that you have a responsibility to take medicine, the better off that that situation is right it, it just tells me that you've been tested i feel like a lot of times people would be like uh, uh no like in my sexual experiences people oh uh, no i definitely don't have hiv i'm like and how how often do you get tested uh I, well i think one time when i was like 18 i got to excuse me what <laughs> this, like, i definitely can't possibly have it because i fucked someone else raw and they didn't call me the next day or you know however long after and tell me right it's like that it's like wouldn't you want to have people in your sexual it's, it's that, vicinity I, that actually know their status? It's that <laughs> but, you know, I don't this, fuck The other thing about that, about testing too, is that, um, Aaron, you're, you're in my generation, your generation of my generation, our generation. How dare you? We experience. <laughs> you're we're practically the same age. We're like we one are. year different. We are, we are, we so, are. Our generation, um, we went through a traumatic experience getting STD testing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we still still we were still exposed to the the uh, punch the bore woo woo you know STD testing when they checked for gonorrhea and chlamydia so like you're getting a swab shoved down your urethra and so people didn't want to get tested because just for that simple fact that they were being that it's a traumatic experience all in itself absolutely you know and they were still practicing this barbaric well, you know thing and, and you had to wait seven to ten up until, like twenty tens. You had to wait seven to ten days to get your fucking HIV results. My first HIV test, I like, it was the fucking worst week of my fucking life. Like, just like, you know, not knowing, waiting that many days. I mean, people really forget what it was like in the beginning. Like, you know, you're trying to be responsible and go and do this because everything, all the, all the local clinics and the bars are telling you to go do this and you know they they don't like tell you right away that you're gonna have to wait you know i I think there was an episode of 
the the second version of or no the whatever version of queer as folk where they kind of showed that experience a little bit of like oh my god you're going you think you're gonna kind of know the results but like you have to wait thank you know thank heavens you don't have to do that anymore um but like it, it it was a traumatic experience it was a very different time to imagine you know this kind of level of mortality that you had to um, dance with while you were planning to fuck and uh you know i think that definitely fucked up the psyche for a lot of us for a while you know just kind of waiting for the fucking shoe to drop so to speak Mm. I have a question for you, Stephen. What would you say is the most common, um, you know, I guess, misunderstanding when it comes to HIV and undetectable or, or, you know, what is something that you often find you have to refute that people seem to think is still the truth? And that could be a generational answer or also just in general. Like, what do you, what do you find yourself combating against? misinformation when it comes to misinformation i would have to say that it's not understanding what undetectable means one you know and um i think people not understanding why how hiv is actually transmitted you know when you understand the whole biology of it you know and the reason why uh it's more transmissible like you were talking about in the last podcast about how it's transmissible among men who have sex with men than it is say with a heteronormative couple um it's because we have you know if you're having if you're having anal sex you know that's literally like you know that's first of all it's it's a it's a blood it's literally your asteroid systems are literally where where all the blood in your body that's that's been used and gets disposed of gets put as well. Okay. So um, you know, plus the fact that that the rectum is very sensitive, can be torn easily, and that, that the gland is very sensitive and porous, so it's easy to transmit that way. Um, simply from that, and because of your contact with. You you know blood and fecal matter. So that's and what fecal matter that ass up means. Fecal there. matter is actual blood product, just like urine is blood product as well. You know, like um, <clears throat> it's a byproduct of 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 your circulatory system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm you're for- going to be easily transmit. Unfortunately, I don't think we have like yet really graduated in the world to like harm reduction conversations around sex. And and I say this because like, you know, part of that harm reduction thing is like not just sitting there and saying wear condoms and do this to prevent HIV. It's like, let's like get into it, right? Let's talk about which activities are, you know, like I remember we sat around with, I think it was AIDS Action Worcester when they existed and they went through like this really great thing with us and saying, you know, what are the the fluids HIV can be transmitted in? And, you know, breast milk is one of them, by the way. So like, you know, there, there are like definite, you know, things that we can learn and understand, you know, about that, you know, and I, I, I think I said on one of the podcasts about like being absolutely spooked out and told again and again, how dangerous rimming was that I was going to get HIV if I licked an asshole and like come to find out there's like no data on this fucking happening. So like, you know, let's do a two prong thing. Let's talk about risk, but let's not say something is high risk, you know, just because it's this, you know, let's say this are all risks. Let's not categorize them and then kind of tell people, well, this is how many people get it this way, or this is how many people get it that way. And then you kind of have an informed decision. I remember going to my gynecologist and being like, I think I was going like every six months to be tested for HIV. And at one point he was like, Felicia, now mind you, he pulled me out of my mom's pussy. So like first, first man to look at my pussy. And then the first man to inspect my pussy. And he was like, Felicia, why are you coming in so often, honey? And I was like, because I'm a whore. And he was like, okay, so tell me what you do in your whorishness. And I was like, well, I swallow a lot of cum and I fuck a lot. He's like, do you do anal? And I was like, no, that's not really something I do. And he was like, then you're probably okay to come just like once a year. And I was like, what? (laughs) Explain it. He was like, 
okay, honey, swallowing cum is not going to give you HIV. Also, you're not doing anal. So unless you're like literally ripping your pussy apart, you're probably less likely to contract HIV. Now, I understand. <laughs> I understand that obviously I'm still at risk technically. Let's not pretend like heteronormative sex equates to being protected against it. But also knowing the specific acts that actually go into higher risk situations, those are so important. And he was like, you need to chill out and you need to stop coming to the gynecologist so often, you know? So I thought it was really interesting because I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that like swallowing, isn't there, it wasn't it something like you have to swallow like eight gallons of someone's cum to get HIV. It's it's not even just that. This is the other thing that people, uh, people have to understand is that nobody gets HIV from having oral sex. Unless you are I have your, you have like really bad gum disease right. and mm-hmm. there's no way you're getting HIV through oral sex. And blood. anyone who's ever said that right. they have are just, are just too ashamed. They're too ashamed to admit that they had sex and got it that way. Because right. I remember recently, a few within the past few years, that very famous uh, um, person um used to be a child star was on tv he got gotten hiv from oral sex and i remember going to splash and seeing him out in splash and getting like fucked because he was also high on molly and taking math and doing things like that so he was already having like high you know like i know he doesn't like me like to say but doing like high risk behavior like taking drugs and getting high and Doing those things, you're more susceptible. It also lo- lowers your immune system. And that's what people also should understand too: is that if you're taking math and you're doing like all these uh, hard drugs like MDMA, uh, ketamine, uh, GHB, they lower your immune system. Yeah, you're, um, you're, even you're... drinking does this too. You know, like it lowers your immune system. So uh, it's really not a good idea to to do that and have sex in a you know without being well protected. And I don't like to say safe sex because safe sex doesn't exist. Yeah, safer um, sex is what we yeah. call it. Safer, yeah. Yeah. So sure. like, um, I mean, I think it's be... so, so amazing that you mentioned yeah. Splash. <laughs> But yeah, but I, I, I think you know part. who I'm talking about. I'm trying to paint this picture so you understand no, no, exactly I, I totally who the did. person was I totally who said did. this. Yeah, and so I'm mean, not going to name drop. No, no, no. I'll, no, I'll tell sure. you maybe after the show. I'll name drop after the show. <laughs> I, <But>. mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you know that's important to say. You know, when we're talking about harm reduction, literally, you know, those kind of things about you know the immune system and like really, you know, ideally, you don't want to be like you know, in your worst state and on the edge when you're trying to like seek pleasure, right? You don't want to be tired and haggard and like completely fucked up and like, you know, and no judgment. I I know we get there sometimes, but this is not like an ideal situation for pleasure. And you're asking your body to do a lot of work, not just for, there was a time where I was fucking a lot and I, 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 I was getting like cold all the time. I think Felicia remembers this. Like, you know, I was getting like sick and you're like maybe you should slow down a little bit (laughs) like you're working like 60 hours and then like you're you're fucking until four in the morning and turning around and going to work again so you know i i think like that is important information that we definitely have to make sure that you know we're honest about yeah it's very important to do i particularly since i circumverted like i used to drink for a living for for example my job was I was a beverage director and I literally, from the time I got to work, the time I left, I had everyone in their, you know, and their brother trying to sell me the latest wine or spirit to, to stock in my bars and my restaurants. And I mean, I could consume copious amounts of alcohol and I would be able to be able to function during the day because I was able to pace myself. And also if I'm eating and, you know, I'm, but like I barely at all drink anymore. People are like, why don't you drink? I was like, I don't really even get any more pleasure out of it, out of it anymore. Um, and also too, I don't want to put my body at risk. 
And this is another thing I think people really should understand is that if you're taking antiretrovirals, doing drugs and drinks and doing to do it in moderation, because if you, you're just adding another tax onto your liver and your kidneys, and that's something that you don't want to do um, because it's, you know, you, it's your body. Your body should be, your, it's your vessel. It's your, it should be a temple and you should treat it with the respect it deserves. It's the only one you have. Well, yeah, I think that goes into health and also pleasure, right? And I think that guarding yourself for pleasure properly is really important in the same way as guarding your health is really important. So it, like you said, if you're, if you're, you know, drinking a lot or feeling under the weather, maybe don't also put yourself in another precarious situation where you are more susceptible to contracting something. Doesn't matter what it is, right? So I think that's a really helpful tip for people. Also, you know, I keep hitting the microphone. Sorry. But, <laughs> I did the same thing um, at the same time. <laughs> right. I just wanted to ask you if you have any tips for people that are, you know, maybe new to being HIV positive or new to being undetectable. Do you have any tips for people in general? as far as dealing with it, coping with it, psychologically, physically, you know, you did give tips of being healthier, obviously. Is there anything or any advice that you could give to the people listening right now? Um, therapist, one. For, one and foremost, everybody in the world needs therapy. If you think you don't need therapy, you need it than anybody else. Two, taking care of your health all the time. You need to make sure that you're seeing your doctors and your specialists. And with HIV, he does come more responsibilities for some people. Like myself, I have other comorbid things going on, like my testosterone issues, you know, and, you know, other issues as well that I might not have because if I wasn't positive. So that's something that people have to understand that there are other things that are being, that will be affected by being positive as well. Not, don't freak out, just take care of it, you know, and um finding doctors is really hard today because we have such a shortage of healthcare providers so trying to find the right fit it's important for you and i think when you find providers that you can trust with trust in and you can have a good candid relationship with that your health will be taken better care of than if you didn't you know, just can't have a one and off and just, okay, this guy in the book, oh, I'm going to see this one. And that's it. No, no, you, you have to really like, it's a relationship. You, it's, you should, inter- it should be like an interview process. If you don't like them, it doesn't work out. There isn't the right vibe. Move on to another one uh, and find, find the right doctor for you. Um, and find one that can relate to you and that can identify with you as well. Sometimes that also helps, especially with therapy. Um really big on therapy they think that like i said everybody really needs it you have you have so much fucked up shit in this world right now like how could you not need therapy um we all need it even therapists need therapy mm-hmm. like and they do they have therapists that they see they can unload their shit storm about so uh i don't know i think also you know be careful um especially with drugs better to not sometimes get into them because all the people i do know who have gotten into the hard illicit drugs like crystal meth and ghb um they wish they never did it uh so don't fall into peer pressure um it's really not worth it it's not worth it to fall into peer pressure to do it because other people are doing it because they want you to do it because they want to bring you into that circle and it brings you down. And think about this too, when you're high, when you're drunk, is it really consent? Mm -hmm. It really isn't. You're having sex. You have no idea what could be happening to. And I've heard a lot of horror stories about what happens to people, especially from party drugs, um, and it it can get bad like overdosing people with ghb on purpose and you know like passing them around and 
God knows, you know, like you have to be so careful. So be careful about people you contact with. Be careful, you know, like you, if you feel, if anything feels wrong, stop it. Doesn't mean that you have, you know, you don't ever have to continue having sex with somebody uh, because you're obligated to, you're not obligated to have to continue anything. The minute you're that you're always feel allowed to change your mind, you're always allowed to any change your mind. Part, and any point in time, you are allowed to change your mind. You have to say, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I have to stop. Oh, and yeah. don't, you know, like, don't allow it to continue. Uh, it's, it's, that is your consent and that is what you own. So, because okay. a lot of people will try, you know, like, we live in a, like, men tend to be very toxic, mas- yeah, especially a lot of toxic masculinity, a lot of the misogyny, and they really, you know, try to bully people, try to bully you and to keep, t- to have sex with them. Like, yeah, there's nothing masculine about letting your dick always be in charge. Fucking... Tell that bitch you. Oh, yeah, it's just like a piece of sponge, bro. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all of that advice. I think that was beautiful. You tied in like like half of our recent episodes all in one. So thank you for all of that. And I just want to thank you for spending the time here on The Screw today. You've been a delightful guest. I think we learned a lot that we obviously wouldn't have. And I just want to give you now the opportunity to let us know if you want people to find you on social media where they can go right. and if you want to plug anything else as well. Right. Any organizations you want people to support, anything like that? Honestly, I just want people to, to honestly, you know, support your queer youth. That's literally, Fuck yeah. that's literally Beautiful. the most important thing. Honestly, they are our future. Um, and we have to do what's best by them. But let them be who they want to be, whoever they want to be. And don't push them to be what you want them to be, what you think they want to be, what you think they belong to be, what they should be. Just fucking let people be who the fuck they are. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Thank you again to Steven for being on our episode. I know this is a very, you know, touchy topic. And to have somebody be so honest and vulnerable with us was just beautiful. So thank you again for being on our show, Steven. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.